You need to be happy, hungry, and humble to be a very excited entrepreneur business owner. You can be a thriving business owner, you can just be a regular business owner, and I choose to be a thriving one, but I remember happy, hungry, humble, and that has worked for me for 20 years, so I'm not changing that. Welcome to Creating Community with Dorian and Jake, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and other interesting people together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Marketing and 1820 Coffee House in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Our goal with this podcast is to showcase the amazing people, businesses, and organizations we have in and around Brazoria County. So if you know someone who should be highlighted, email us at info at 1820marketing.com. Today, we are back at the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce, which is one of our sponsors. Their goal is to help businesses stay local and grow and to do everything they can to help with that. Our other sponsor is Texas Snowfruit. They are open year-round and serve all natural shaved ice. Our leadership is increasing, and if you're a first-time listener, we would love for you to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen directly at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. In this episode, we're talking with Lindsay Vaughn. Lindsay is broker and owner of Remax American Dream. She found her true calling after purchasing her first franchise to be the director of vision and agent development. Yes. Is that right? For yes. Remax American Dream. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Well, thanks for having me. So before we get to the empire that is Remax American Dream, <laughs> right? where did you grow up? <laughs> I was born in Oklahoma, grew up in Dallas. We moved here to Houston about the time I got into seventh grade. So I've been pretty much around League City, Alvin since then. Nice. League City is kind of what you would call home before Alvin. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when we bought our house in Alvin, it was just far enough away so we could have some independence, but just close enough just in case we didn't really want that imp- independence. <laughs> sure. You could get back. Yeah. 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 And so you grew up here. It's Chris from League City. Yes. Well, he grew up in Heritage Park behind Braybrook Mall, so he's been here since oh, his wow. whole life. Yeah. So what made you guys choose Alvin? So we were looking at houses, and I was already a realtor, so I was looking at a lot of dollar-per-square-foot kind of items. And in League City at the time, it was a lot more dollars-per-square-foot for a house, and yeah. we knew what our budget was. So when we came to Alvin, before we knew all the community that was here, we solely bought the house based on we could buy more house for our dollar here. Right. And Chris was not in real estate at that time. No, no, he was, um, at that time he was in nursing school. Okay. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually a nurse and we decided that that wasn't the best course of action for us as a family. So he, we bought a transmission shop at some point and then we both became, or he became a realtor with me. Did you, were you a realtor in the Alvin area at the time? I mean, you said you were looking, but you you could have looked in North Houston for, homes where was this kind of your area where you were selling homes actually no so i worked at an office in clear lake and you know as a real estate agent in the state of texas you can sell property all over the state of texas so i had sold some homes in alvin and coming here i realized that it was country but not too far from the city so it kind of appealed to us so it became part of what we decided would be the area we were looking in so Let's uh, let's jump ahead to Remax. What did you do before you were a real estate agent? 
I was the assistant manager at O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> okay. The, yeah. And the, you didn't want to make a career out of that? Um, <laughs> it was, I worked there a long time. I worked there all the way through high school. Um, and it got to the point where I was definitely a female in a man's position because okay. I ran and kind of funny as I totally forgot this, but I ran the O'Reilly that's here in town. Oh, wow! so, um, it became a point where I decided that I wanted to go out and get a really nice career job where I wasn't working nights and weekends. Kind of funny. Cause now I'm a realtor and I do that, but right. I went to a career day at Sanderson at college and I met the guy that runs the that program at the college and he said I think you would be really good at this job and I said okay well tell me a little bit about it so although you can take your real estate classes online and get them in 30 days I decided to go and do it at the community college so that I could switch it to a business degree afterwards oh yeah um you can take a whole entire technical program at the college and then move to U of H as a complete four-year degree okay and that was the plan. And is that a longer process at the college than it would have been if you had done it on your own? Yes, it but takes. a little more structured, though? Yeah, it takes at least a year. Okay. Because you could take two full semesters. What was it that he saw in you that made him say to you that you would make a good realtor? I didn't know it at the time, but now that I do a lot of personality assessments, I really feel like he saw the whole high driver thing. Yeah. So <laughs> he knew I had a goal. I went to him and I said, no, this is my plan. I don't care if you help me or not. I'm still going to get there. And I think he realized, you know, there's some certain criteria that you need to be a salesperson, and that's one of them. Right. Yeah, I, definitely. And definitely with real estate, too, I can see that. And I would consider you a very driven person. Thank you. <laughs> I would definitely say you're <laughs> yes. a driven person. And so where does that come from? Are your parents um, driven or? So my father passed away when I was four. So I never really had an adult relationship with him. But when my grandmother passed away, we went back home and they brought out all these articles about my dad. Now, I took a screenshot of them, took his headshot out of the screenshot, sent it back to my assistant. And I said, who is this? And she goes, oh, my gosh, that article was written about you. Where is it? And I said, no, it was written about my dad. And they were like, oh, my goodness. So it was really funny wow. because genetics are a real thing. For sure. Because, I, I mean, I only spent four years with him. Yeah. And yet it was still wow, that is nature versus nurture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how, how do you feel knowing that when she looked at that, she said, oh, my God, this is about you, knowing that it was your dad? We totally knew. And I thought it was hilarious. I sent it to about seven people. I even sent it to my mom. <laughs> and I said, this is crazy. You know, we didn't really know him. Um, my mother got remarried very quickly. So I knew my stepdad. I didn't know right. him at all. Right. And um, my grandparents <laughs> never really talked about him. And. It was just kind of crazy. He was, you know, head of his FFA for many years. There was letters of recommendations from teachers that sounded like they had written them about me and really? they had really written them about him. Wow. Yeah, it was very eye-opening. Well, very cool. knowing that you're a driven person, which we kind of jokingly said, when you were when you made that decision to go into real estate, was the goal just to be a real estate agent or was it to be a mogul? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the goal was make money quickly. It is a get rich huh. business. What they failed to tell you is that it is not a get rich quick business. Right. So the goal was, I want to make sure I pay my own way. When I was a senior in high school, my mother moved to North Carolina and I elected to stay in Texas alone. So I still oh, wow. had to have, I had three jobs at the time. I had to finish high school, you know, do all of the things that you need to do to be successful. And so at the time I was making an hourly wage at O'Reilly 
And I realized I need to have something that is a true career. Yeah. So it just seemed that everybody said, well, you know, when you did fundraisers and you sold wrapping paper for the school or cookies for the Girl Scouts, you always very much excelled <clears throat> because failure is never an option. Right. So at some point when he said, I really think that you could do this, it was really the only thing that I thought, okay, time versus outcome, what is going to work well for me? And I took him up on it, sold a house in two weeks and never looked back. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. So there's different types of agents, I would say, in, in the sense that there are some that want to just sell homes for the rest of their life. Like they just want to do the agent. And that's role. okay. Yeah. 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 And there's plenty that are incredibly successful doing that. That seems like something you would have been incredibly successful at just and I say just, I don't mean that. Without all, all the extra stuff. Right. Here. Being <laughs> an agent, but yet for you being driven, what is it? Why did you choose to go the broker route? Because again, you could have stayed quote unquote, just an agent and been incredibly successful. Then what was it that made you jump to the broker side as well? So if you've ever written or read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, there is the four quadrants of, you know, being successful. So you can be an employee where you're working for somebody else. You can be an entrepreneur. You can be a thriving entrepreneur. You can move on and be an investor. And so after a certain point, you have to look at what you're doing for somebody else and realize, hey, it's probably more cost effective if I did it for myself. Sure. So um, I kept getting put in a small box and I wanted to do different things. I was the director of development for two other brokers prior to being one for myself. And so I was cultivating their agents. So in the business sense, agents are kind of like assets. You have to love on them. You have to cultivate them. You have to make them better. And I was doing that for somebody else. And then Chris got his license and he came to work and he's like, hey, we could do this for ourselves. Like you put a lot of energy and effort into these people. Let's do this. And I said, no, 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 Mm, (laughs) not happening, dude. And one day he said, Hey, let's go to lunch. And it was a random place that we don't normally go to lunch. And it was the franchise sales guys. So Chris ambushed me with the Remax sales guys. Nice move, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Behind every great woman is a very fantastic man. And I will (laughs) lay my life down on that. But we went to lunch, and what I learned is what I was doing for this person was exactly the blueprint to do it on my own. Wow. We took a leap of faith, um, bought the franchise. You have a little bit of time to get your stuff together before they actually say you have to open your doors. I told one person. That one person told my current broker. (gasps) Chris and I got fired at 4 o'clock on a Friday. Oh, my gosh. Um, And the driven part of me created American Dream Realty in a half an hour, called Trek, put Chris's license underneath my broker's license, and still made our dinner reservations in the gallery at 530. Oh, my God. So I was like, I'll worry about that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like that's a great, I mean, I don't want to say great, but kind of being forced into that got you the motivation. Obviously, you sat down with that, right. and you told someone, and it kind of spiraled from there. But so what? real quick, were you with Remax? Yes, I have been a Remax agent for almost 20 years. So I started with a smaller company, then went to a non-traditional commission company, realized that, that really wasn't working for me, and then very quickly went to Remax. So I had worked for several different Remax brokers. Wow. So one of the things that I tell people, because sitting in the coffee shop, we have a lot of people that come by 
and a lot of realtors. Um, Lots of realtors. Yeah. You guys are everywhere. Well, and yeah, it's a great market. So <laughs> when it's a great market, everybody gets a real estate license. We do make it look easy. Yes. Um, so it takes a, a certain quality of person to stay, and we wish everybody the best. Well, the thing that I find fascinating is you say you make it look easy, and you do, because you to me, I would think you'd always need a runway, or it's a part-time gig while you're trying to do other things because it doesn't seem because uh, like if you started today you're not getting a paycheck next week as a real estate agent you're not getting a salary or a paycheck until you make a sale and it's but it seems like a catch-22 to me in that if i say work a 12-hour shift and then try and do real estate on the side it's going to take me longer to get those sales but if i quit my job and become a real estate agent i'm not going to have that steady paycheck how what do you see when you talk to your agents so when I yes, yeah, so when I recruit an agent from outside world, I lay it down. Now I know my averages on how long it takes me to get an agent profitable, and that's ninety days. It takes me forty five days wow. to get somebody to get them under contract, and then it takes thirty to forty five days to get them closed. So I look them dead in the face. We create a business budget, and I say, "Can you live with no money for ninety days?" Most of the time, the answer is no. Correct. So sure. then we create a plan and. Th- there is kind of a myth about, oh, I can work real estate part-time, and it's not true. You can work your full-time job 100%, and then you have to give real estate 100%. And I have, over the years, probably transitioned 25 or 30 people out of their full-time job, but it is a transition, and it yeah. is a commitment. So a lot of times somebody will say, well, I work until 5, and I say, okay, great, now let's go home. Let's do your home stuff, dinner, bath, bed. Then you're going to have to run your ads. At lunchtime on your lunch break at your other job, you're going to have to return phone calls. Sure. So there is a lot of give and take um, with them. And I'm like, you you essentially have two full-time jobs. And if you look at it as a part-time, full-time, it will never work. So. Wow. So, so what caused you to create such a detailed layout for somebody that's coming in that potentially is going to come work under you? When I first got my broker's license, I had already kind of – just head down narrowed because my daughter was born about a year and a half before I bought my office. And so there was a time to only be very, very specific on the time investment that I could do with real estate. So going to outside events and things like that were just out of the picture. And when I opened my office, I'd kind of lost sight of the community in which I needed to go recruit business from. And for the whole year prior to that, I homeschooled. So there was homeschool, run a six-figure business, and have a baby. So there was quite a bit kind of in my mix. And um, I decided, oh, gosh, who do I recruit? Nobody knows me. And then I got in my head, because everybody does, about, well, nobody's going to want to come work for me because I don't have a track record yet as a broker. So I went out and recruited brand-new agents because they don't know any better. Right. So So you can kind of mold them into your vision. Yes. And then when they came along, I realized, oh, they don't know anything. So I have to keep them profitable or they leave. Right. So we created over time uh, what we call now is our um, pathway to mastery. And they come and sit with me for almost every day for the first two weeks. After that, they have to have a very solid education base where we go, hey, did you master that skill? Okay, no, we're not checking it off. It's like a report card. Right. Um, And then after all of that, then they make sure that they stay in coaching with me every two weeks so that we can really decide, are you ready? Until they start really sailing on their own. 
Yeah. And yeah. I, Jake and I talked about that. I don't, it might've been yesterday at lunch. We were talking about that very thing that you make your new agents come in and sit with you for the first, you said two weeks where yeah. they sit with you and they go through the process. And there are many agencies that don't do that. So what kind of success rate? Cause I, I heard that the success rate, if a real estate agent, a new agent can make it three years, they're going to make it. But I heard that it was a ridiculously high percentage that don't make it three years. One in six agents nationwide make it. Wow. One in six. Wow. In my office, my newbie rate is three in six. Wow. But it is, it, we have to decide if you're not being successful, is this a will problem or a skill problem? I can help you with a skill problem all day long. If it is a will, we yeah. sit down, you commit to your action steps for the business plan that you created because we're here to inspire, train, and mentor learning-based professionals who are committed to their successful life. So if it's a will problem, it's because they are not committed to doing the action steps it takes to be successful. Yeah. If it's a skill problem, it means, hey, I'm doing these things, but they're just not clicking yet. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's look at your conversion rate, and is it the speech is it your body language is it the paperwork negotiation skills what is it and let's sit down and iron that out and then sale i have a very fantastic agent she's been with me for four years when i met her and i know that you know her her name's noelia i love her to pieces it took her eight months to sell her first house with me oh wow but now that y'all know her you know how extremely successful she is crazy and i love 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 that about her because now um, her daughter is going to be a real estate agent and her husband helps her. So now this has been an empire. But really what it was in the beginning, there was never a will problem. There was a skill problem. When we finally made yeah. that last little tweak, that was it. She was gone. Like I I hardly ever have to coach her anymore. She's done a fantastic job. And Do you think it's just experience for you that has allowed you to help somebody identify what the issues are that they can fix? Yes, yes. Because sometimes it is, I'm no better than anybody else. I've just had more experiences where I failed because it's getting back up. That is what the difference is. That's where the learning is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, having 22 years of real estate experience and being through Ike and Harvey and, you know, going through the freeze last year, we, you know, we just pinpointed it was just like another hurricane. And some of your newer agents will kind of freak out. Their inventory is flooded. What are we going to sell now? What are, you know, all the apartments and rentals were gone. And I said, look, we're going to go and we're going to grab the hurricane plan and we're going to run it for flood. But the best part is just be calm and be collected. And your clients will also see the calm. You're supposed to be the calm in the storm. But all that comes from experience. Yeah. Well, the fact that you have a hurricane I plan. just about to say that. That you can say, let's go grab the hurricane plan and shift it oh, is yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think the most, most businesses probably don't have it, much less real agree. estate agents for that. Right. Like, cause you're, you're right. And I've never thought of that. If you're trying to sell a home and a hurricane comes blowing through or a freeze, like you mentioned. Dang it. Yeah. yeah. Like you're, you're months, if not now you're hundreds back. of thousands of yeah. dollars. I mean, cause you're, and I can see not wanting to spend the money to fix up a home that you're trying to sell. But yet if it's, demolished or it's flooded you've got to like it's just it's a weird quirk in in life and in this area that i had never really thought of there's a lot of things in real estate that people are like oh it's just real estate well you have to run your business like a business and everybody should have different types of plans now when the pandemic happened it wasn't really 
a written plan for that. Sure. But I did know that if I didn't get back in front of these agents and remind them that they had a written business plan, we, we were going to fail. So when that happened, we shifted. I started doing a lot of Zoom calls with them and just saying, hey, like, do we need to change the plan a little bit? And they're like, well, you know, now I've got to do school and I've got to be a mom all and i got to right. be a dad. And I, sure. you know, i got to do all these things inside the house. And I said, okay, well, the plan is still the same. You're still going to touch these people. You can't go and physically see them anymore, but let's call them on the phone, have a coffee via Zoom, and let's shift the conversation that we're having with those people because we've always built the business by referral and by relationship. So let's do some educating. I mean, nobody's really moving right now because we don't really know what it's going to look like. I mean, we're talking early March 2020 time. And uh, they decided, okay, great. So we started educating consumers on forbearance and foreclosure and those kind of things. And you know what happened? We went from selling 300 homes a year to selling 527 homes a year. Right. Which is, say, which is what I was going to get to is the yeah. pandemic. Did you expect it to go the route it went? Because I think in a pandemic, you think everybody's holding on to their money. They're not buying new that's cars. That's my thought. Yeah, that's what I would think. I'm, I, I think back to the Great Depression. Everybody stopped everything and held their money. Well, it was a little bit about that. It was a little bit of everybody stopped. And just so we could analyze the situation and then... You know, if you were like me and you sat in your house for, I don't know how long it was, you realized. Too you, long for all yeah. of us. Yeah. Too long. We all realized, okay, well, I can get my job done super efficiently. So yeah. now I have extra time. So let me start doing all those little honeydew things like fixing the baseboards and painting right. the walls and making sure that, you know, it was ready. So the minute that they said, oh, yeah, well, real estate's essential. Right. They were like, oh, well, then let's go look go at houses. Go back to work. Yeah. Let's go sell some stuff. Let's. Right you know, do all of that. So most of those people during the pandemic realized the house was either too big or too small. And because they're there all the time now. Yes. Oh, see, yeah. That's when so, they see that things need to be repaired. Yeah. <laughs> and Texas very quickly shifted and decided we were going to send out a whole new form that said, Hey, if you're worried that you're going to lose your job and you can't buy this house, we'll just put a contingency that says if you were affected by COVID in any way whatsoever, you can back away from this transaction. Oh, wow. So for, a year, we used that almost exclusively on every transaction, which took away the what if from the, the consumer. Fear, yeah, you know. the fear portion. Wow. So, yeah, they, they got real busy, real busy. We're going to take a break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to keep talking about real estate, what the future looks like for real estate, and then also a little bit about your community involvement. Hi, this is Christina with Texas Snowfruit. We're a shave ice company located in Scopel Square in the heart of Alvin. Stop by and see us or visit us on our website at texassnowfruit.com. Hi, this is Carrie Perrin, President and CEO of the Alva Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. Here at the Chamber, we want to support local businesses. We want to give you visibility in the community. We want to give you opportunity in the community. And for those of you that aren't business owners, we want to let you know about all our wonderful Chamber members. And if you support them, you support our community. So remember, whether you're a business or a community member, when you eat, shop, play, and support local business, you support the community. So before the break, we were talking about real estate and talking about COVID and the pandemic and the freeze and all the other fun stuff that's the happened the past couple of years. Contingency plans. Contingency yes. plans. Where do you see real estate for the next couple of years? I, I'm outside the real estate world. Yes. But I'm, I feel like there's got to be a bubble brewing. 
or something. Like it just seems I, I see I see how much I can get from my house. Well, there was the dot com bubble in two thousand that I mean people saw it coming and it still hit everybody. So yeah. do you see that with the real estate? Yeah. What so, do you see? There's not any big like Y two K thing coming. Um, we are we've already seen the adjustment in the interest rate for Q one. Q two is coming. We will see a little bit of an adjustment. Just for reference, 20 years ago when I first got into real estate, the best interest rate you could get was like 5%. And that oh, meant yeah, like you were doing great. It has been down to twos in the last year. Now you're hovering around like three and a quarter. When it adjusts at the middle of quarter two, we're probably looking at like three and a half. Okay. When that happens, the difference in like, let's say a two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 house, the payment is going to be $200, $250 more a month. So the amount of house that people can buy is going to change, but they're also going to loosen the qualifications to purchase. Like they put a lot of grips on who could buy, why they could buy the paperwork that they needed to turn in to purchase because everybody was afraid. The lenders were afraid that consumers were going to lose their job. It's a bigger risk now, right? Yeah. And that's the first time I've heard it put in a way that I go, okay, there's not necessarily a bubble in the sense that, if I'm moving, I'm still moving. But maybe instead of getting a 3,500 square foot home, I'm getting a 3,000 square foot home exactly. in, in my price range. Like if, if I'm moving, I'm moving. It, exactly. It, it's not a there, there's no bubble in that sense. And and do you find the people that are buying houses now are people that are actually selling houses and not ho- new homeowners, or is it a? It's about a 60-40 split. So um, we don't see a ton of investors right now. Um, out of the 500 plus homes that we sold this year, I would say 1%, 2% of them were investors really? um, because the prices soared so high right. that investors can see that. And if I, you know, for example, my house on a good day 12 months ago was worth $165,000. Today, I could probably put it on the market for two I've there done nothing to it. Yeah. So um, investors saw that and they're waiting for everything to come back down. I don't think anything is going to come down until we have short sales and foreclosures like in 08 and 09, because if I have to move, I have to move. My job says I have to move. I have another kid. I need a bedroom. I have to move. Grandma needs to go into home. We have to sell grandma's house. Um, I get out of college. I need a house. There's everybody has to have a reason. They have to have, you know, there, there's a reason to move. There's a reason you have to have a house over your head. Now, if for some reason everybody says, okay, well, I can't purchase, then we'll just switch scripts and we'll start renting houses. We will just change what we're doing and, and pivot. Yeah. And so one of the things, because we've talked a lot of time, uh, you have a business coach. Yes. And you've had one for a long time. How soon, and let, let's take real estate out of the equation. If you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, when should someone get a business coach and what's the benefit to you of having a business coach? So everybody needs a coach in life. Now, sometimes you need a spiritual coach. Sometimes you need a financial coach. Sometimes you need somebody to teach you how to run your restaurant better. I believe that if you don't get a coach that first year, it is detrimental to your business. Now you can do it by sure luck and intuition, but you need somebody to help you go, Hey, you need a franchise tax return. Okay, great. How do I file that? Where do I go for that information? This last year, we switched our coaching because I realized that I needed a little bit more coaching with P&Ls and things like that. So I found a really great bookkeeper who was willing to share her knowledge with me. So we decided to switch and move over and talk to her a little bit more about that. 
so we can move that. Over time, we have met with pastors so that we could do more of a spiritual education for both Chris and I. Those are still business coaches. We sure. wanted to see what we could do with that. Currently, I meet with a real estate coach who is out of the state of Utah. He Zooms us every two weeks, and he says, hey, I found somebody that ran four real estate offices like I run my two. Wow. So now he not only talks to me in Remax lingo, but he also talks to me in other real estate lingo and business owner lingo. Gotcha. And um, every once in a while, you, you really have to yeah. pick and choose who you want that coach with. But I think that everybody needs a coach in life. And so it also sounds to me like you pivot your coaching or your business coach. Cause like you just said, you lean more towards someone that does the bookkeeping side to kind of get with that. So you P and L stuff. Yeah. You're not necessarily saying the business coach I have today is a business coach. I'm going to have 10 years from now, but you're taking that the way I would describe it is it's a book on my bookshelf. This Absolutely. is a book about real estate. This is a book about bookkeeping and things like that. So you look strategically at what you kind of see as a, shortcoming for lack of a better term and you absolutely so um you know we had a social media coach for a couple of years just kind of hey how do we do this what does this look like what's the algorithms um is there something in your business that you don't know how to do you either have to figure out how to do it or you have to pay somebody to do it right it's more cost effective to learn it you know somebody can hand you a fish or they can teach you to fish i choose to be taught how to fish yeah final question on that why is it better to hire a coach than to just YouTube it. So and you can I, be as sarcastic as you, you wanted this you answer. You see him laughing about yeah, it. Yeah. You can be as sarcastic as you um, wanted. And he's hoping you give the right answer. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, it's on the internet. It must be true. Oh. So if I see it on YouTube, I want to know, I'm of the generation. I want to know, are you real? Are you a real person? And the, and can I why? see you? And, and I want to know, you know, everybody sees the highlight reels on YouTube. The guy uh, did yes. that thing, and I know we're doing this in one take, but in real life, if you're on YouTube and you're a mega YouTube star, how many times did you shoot that thing before you came and brought it to me? Before it's perfect, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I'm going to be real vulnerable here for a second, but I teach a lot on be a real person, and so a lot of times I tell my agents about when our son was born and we were broke and we went and got food stamps because we were broke and we needed to feed our kid. <laughs> Yeah. So I try to teach them that when you're doing things, show people you're a real person. Like you. Yeah. And when I teach, they see me as this big, great entrepreneur that has these two offices. And I try to re- remind them where I came from. Sure. Now I do keep the food stamp card in my purse as a reminder of where we came. I keep it in my Louis Vuitton. Okay. So for perspective, but I try to remind sure. those agents of that. And on YouTube, I don't get that. I don't get that. Now, if I need to know how to put a check in QuickBooks, yeah, I'll probably Google that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. sure. But um, not not my everyday, how do I run my business? To be successful. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you, you've talked before about being an, a um, learning-based professional that leads, helping other people become learning-based yes. professionals. How do you go about doing that, and why is that so important to you? So learning base means that you know that you don't know everything and you want to seek the knowledge. If you are not learning base, that means that you are ignorant base, which means you know what you know and that's everything that you want to know. So when somebody comes to me and says like, hey, I want to be a learning based professional, that means that they're coming for aha moments. We talk about it and it's spar. So you come and learn a specific trait, 
you practice that trait, you go put it in action, and then you repeat the skill or you repeat the training right. to come in for a different aha moment. So we can tell very quickly if somebody is learning-based or not. And it's very important to me because just because I went and I saw this one seminar one time, I didn't get everything from it. Right. So I'm going to go back and repeat that skill. So um, to master something, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. You had to practice it, I guess, 10,000 hours with the intent to be better. Right. Not just go out and throw spaghetti on the wall. And um, that's what we try to teach them. Yeah. And, and I think you're like me and you and I are a little bit alike in that when somebody is in a position that they're not the right person for the position, you act on it quickly. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, if you ask my other staff, they'll probably tell you <laughs> no. But I try to say, like, yes, I, I do want to make sure that it is not a skill problem right you know so let's do some coaching let's do some extra coaching let me just make sure let me try one more time like any good parent you want to go in and just make sure sure, like have i put those skills in place for them and then when it comes apparent i've always told them you know the sky is the limit but there's also no floor in real estate you can be very upside down very quickly if you don't get a grip on your skills so I have to come to them and say, hey, I've always told you from the beginning, sky's the limit, but there is no floor. And right now your floor's got a hole in it. Wow. Do we need to patch this boat? And or? you're dangerously close to the hole. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they go, you're right. Let me realign. Let me shift. Let me get back into the game. And sometimes they're like, you're right. My heart's not in it. And maybe the heart's not in it. And, and it's it okay for them not to be doing yeah. what they're doing. It's okay to find something else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at being a downhill skier, okay? I'm not going to try that. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I love real estate. I can do that. I love coaching. I can do that. But some people, real estate is hard. There's a lot of no's to get to the yes, and it's not for everybody. For sure. So what would you tell somebody that is thinking about getting into real estate right now? You need to, number one, find somebody that has mentor program that you can talk to see if they'll allow you to come to classes a couple of times so that you can really see and see the real estate agent their daily life um googling is one thing but really talking to a realtor about how they got to where they are and seeing if they're ready for that Um, have a lot of questions ready for that person and don't be afraid to ask them a lot of real estate agents come in and they think they're on a job interview they're not most real estate companies will hire you because you fog a mirror we personally do not. <laughs> All right. We personally do not. So don't be afraid to be a little bold. What is in it for me as a real estate agent? You need to ask, you know, how are you going to help me be successful? Well, and you want somebody that's coming in with the mentality that I plan on being successful and I'm looking for help. And when I'm successful, it makes you more successful. Exactly. Right? And that and that is how my office is built. I Um, A lot of times when, and if you are in the real estate community, you know this, they're kind of like hairdressers. They pay for their space Um, at a certain point. My whole entire, I flipped the script on that and I said, well, I don't actually get paid until you get paid. Nobody pays me until that happens. So that way my skin is in the game too. Yeah, sure. Well, and that's something that we've, we've talked about again with people that come through and they've talked about wanting to get into real estate and stuff is to me that I know for me. And I think Dorian's the opposite. But for me, if I were getting into real estate, I would need not a babysitter, but someone that's going to give a little bit of a push. Someone that's going to go, okay, Jake, you know, here's the skill, you know, go do it. What have you done? Yeah. Are you a high eye person? Have you ever done your disc assessment? Uh, But I don't remember what I am. I'm a high eye. So typically drivers, 
you cannot tell them to go do something. Correct. High I people need a little nudge. They don't care to really technically win. They just don't want to lose. So they need That's somebody probably, to kind of like definitely hold. definitely don't want to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they want to like hold their hands. So you're probably a DI, which is a little bit of driver. And yes, I do care and I want to do some of those things. But for Jake, I would say, yeah. So those people that need that accountability, we have a there saying. You go. That's accountability equals love. People right. always want accountability until they get it. Correct. <laughs> That's also very true. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, that's the thing is I think about it is that I I want to know the skills. I want to know the, the hard skills, but then also the nuance of how to do things and, and being able to walk alongside someone versus just, okay, you have your license. You're with my brokerage. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, and don't do see, anything illegal. <laughs> right. Like We see right. some agents get an analysis paralysis, so they want to know everything before they yes. go out and try it. Sure. And so I try to remind them, you are going to learn something new every day of your career. So you're never going to know everything. So you need to know, we call it the no do have bubble and it's a Venn diagram where the bubbles all intersect in the middle. And so you just need to know yeah. a little, have a little and do a little in order to get the goal, the triangle in the middle. And so we teach them the triangle in the middle. That's nice. what we're focused on. Okay. And if you wait until it's perfect, you're never going to start. No, not at all. And it's always a working model. So we're going to try to do this. And then we're going to bring it back and we're going to analyze what worked really well, yeah. what did not work so well, and let's do it again. Well, and I would assume that for real estate agents, they're not all the same. They're not all cut from the same mold. And you need to have those different people because different people are buying homes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want a bunch of Lindsay's running around. I want a bunch of- I don't think of anybody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. So I want a bunch of very unique people who are highly skilled at their job. Sure care about yeah. the community, care about what they're doing, and they're not out there for the paycheck. The Code of Ethics for Real Estate Agents actually says you can't put your paycheck in front of the needs of the consumer. So we remind them that. Okay. That is a perfect segue to community involvement. Yeah. So let's see here. Let me list off the things that I know that you're involved in. And I know that I'm not going to even hit the tip of the iceberg, but Friendswood Chamber of Commerce, you're involved with the Alvin Sunrise Rotary. You're now involved with the, you've been involved with the Alvin Manville Chamber as well. That might not be everything, but why is it important? Well, and there's to roles in each of those places, yeah, right? multiple yeah. roles in each of those places. What, why is it important to you that a person is involved in the community? You need to serve where the people who are going to serve you are. And Rotary is one of the very first places that I got involved. And so it's very near and dear to my heart, but their motto is service above self. And that is really what it is. And I've never had any issues with you know calling a community member and saying hey i need help with this because they know that you know i served somewhere else with them and it was great it helped me create my own little community when harvey happened i called people that i had met through these organizations and said my parents house has you know some some water in it it was the very next day their house was getting ripped out um their neighbors Six oh weeks, six weeks before they had sheetrock pulled out of their house. Wow. And so I strongly believe that as a business owner, these consumers are going to come and use your business. So you need to pay it forward and serve in that community. Yeah, there you go. There's the lesson for the day is that ultimately there is a benefit in that people see you and in, in the community, but that is not why to do it. You do it because you want to help and be a, a part of the community. And yes. I think too often people do things to be seen and that kind of backfires, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people that are, that want all the pictures taken and that's why I'm at this event. You need to be happy. 
hungry and humble to be a very excited entrepreneur business owner. You can be a thriving business owner, you can just be a regular business owner, and I choose to be a thriving one, but I remember happy, hungry, humble, and that has worked for me for 20 years, so I'm not changing that model. (laughs) Sounds like it's working out for you. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. All right, so if people want to, so you're with REMAX American Dream, but if people want to find you, they go to listwithvaughn.com? Yes, that is our direct website. Okay, and then email is lindsay at listwithvaughn.com. And Fa- it's lindsay, lindsay with an E-Y. Yes. yes. And then Facebook is REMAX Team Vaughn. Instagram is lindsay underscore Vaughn REMAX. And I follow you on TikTok, but I'm not going to tell people that unless you want to. (laughs) Um, It is uh, Lindsay V. Realtor Boss. There you go. (laughs) But it's not all about realty. (laughs) It's not. There's a little real life there. We're not hitting the highlights real. but um, Which gets back to what you were talking about earlier, which is you've got to show people that you're a real person. Yeah, right. absolutely. And there's there's fun things. Uh, last week I was rolling back and I saw some things that I posted <laughs> on my husband. And I thought, oh gosh. <laughs> well, we really appreciate you coming yeah, in sure. and taking the time. I I, I think people are going to get a lot of out of this. So thank you for coming on. All right, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. If you're interested in sponsoring Creating Community, we'd love to talk to you. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. We talk each week about our goal with this podcast, but we want to mention that we also produce podcasts for others. If you have an idea for a podcast and would like to discuss it, we'd be happy to schedule a meeting with you to discuss production options. You can email us at info at 1820marketing.com and let us know how you heard about us. Thank you to Texas Snowfruit and to the Alvin Mandel Area Chamber of Commerce for sponsoring the show. Learn more about them at texasnowfruit.com and alvinmandwellchamber.org. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is produced by 1820 Marketing and is available wherever you get your podcast. Show notes and more will be available at 1820marketing.com slash podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week.